Hello and welcome back to the High View Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in a local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at High View Church, and today I am joined by Chad Williams and the one and only Terry Wofford. T-Woff. How's it going, gentlemen? I'm doing great. How about you, Terry? that intro man yeah we got pastor chad who's the the lead pastor of of highview church and terry wofford who's like the godfather of highview church he's the that's accurate don terry (laughs) my ring please (laughs) Uh, we uh we're sitting down today to record an episode of the highview podcast and we're going to jump back into a uh a new format that we've introduced a couple weeks ago where we're going to kind of sit down and talk through some of the sermons we've been recently preaching and do a deeper dive into these sermons. We're going to dig dig a little deeper into the book of Hebrews, which we've been studying together as a church. And recently, we've been covering uh, chapter two. And uh, yesterday was actually Easter Sunday. Yep. Fantastic Sunday at Highview Church. We yeah, uh, had great. our Easter service outdoors. And um, I know Pastor Chad mentioned we did something a little different from what we usually do on Easter, we just kind of stuck in our series. I did. How, how yeah. was that for, for you as a, as a preacher, like not having to go find a passage on resurrection? Like it flowed pretty well. I thought like it was, it was, it was great for me. Um, I prefer, uh, I prefer preaching just straight through a book. Yeah. Obviously I think it's, um, it's a different, it's a different type of work. You know, mm. it's not necessarily, easier or harder, but I feel more comfortable doing it. Uh, so yeah, for me, it was, it was great. Um, hopefully it felt like a Easter sermon. That's yeah. certainly the the goal when you're celebrating the resurrection there, but, uh, the passage just set up. I just felt like the passage was, was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For Easter. So kind of funny how that happens. Like God's word is like, yeah. it's all profitable it's, it's like, for teaching, yeah. correcting. It's crazy how that works. Rebuking, training in righteousness. <laughs> I mean, we didn't plan. I mean, that wasn't, yeah. Yeah. planned out. I mean, I didn't start the Hebrew series yeah. in a way that would that passage would fall on Easter. I wish I was that intentional, but I'm not. But yeah, yeah. Uh the the Lord worked it out. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so we're going to talk through the last couple of sermons again covering all of Hebrews chapter 2 and our two sermons uh were titled the first one we talked through was called Purpose from the first part of Hebrews chapter 2 and then yesterday of course we talked about victory and the victory of the resurrection. Um, but let's back up and let's let's jump back to the beginning of, of Hebrews chapter two, where we talked about uh, purpose. And um, uh, Pastor Chad, I want you to just kind of talk us back through main point of that sermon. What where did we get our focus on purpose from Hebrews chapter two last week? Well, the passage in Hebrews two um, verses five through nine uh, is essentially uh, a teaching on mankind's purpose specifically and it uses mm-hmm. psalm 8 and i'm really glad that we have pastor terry on with us to talk more about that psalm and yeah and some of the concepts uh kind of you know found in that particular psalm but yeah. <clears throat> excuse me the uh the, the the passage itself is about um god subjecting the world to humanity yeah and that is it's really in, in a lot of ways i, I feel like there's a, a really strong connection between uh, Hebrews two, uh, Psalm eight, and Genesis one. You can draw kind of a straight line uh, through those texts to one another, and uh, in some ways, I think Psalm eight is a, a bit of a commentary on Genesis one. 
And of course, Hebrews two is using the argument from Psalm eight, which mm-hmm. come, which which is a a commentary on Genesis one to to make a point, which is yeah. that um that there is a man who will rule for all of eternity, that mm-hmm. the world to come is ruled by uh, humanity, a new humanity, and uh, and so our purpose uh, is laid out for us. We're to uh, we're to bring the whole world under subjection. Uh, Genesis one twenty eight is uh, the creation mandate, and that's where we get our command by God. That's our purpose. That's what we're we're to do. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the overarching theme and thrust of that particular passage. Mm. Uh, Pastor Terry, I want to kind of throw it over to you. Uh, looking back at the sermon a couple weeks ago, um, you know, we mentioned her. Pastor Chad mentioned that we're glad to have you on as we're jumping back to the Psalms because you're you're something of a a scholar of the psalms and, and sort of theologian in residence yeah yeah uh, when you read a, a passage like the beginning of hebrews 2 and you see these references to the old testament like this what's kind of the first thing that happens in your in your mind when you think biblically and you're seeing all these things tied together uh, how important is it that the new testament connects so deeply to to the old testament somewhere like psalms 8 well the old testament's the um, bible of the apostles and so um and Jesus and the apostles. And so uh, uh, whenever they cite a reference, uh, they're taking you back to a context. I mean, that's yeah. how they did it. We do it with numbers. Like we, we, we reference Psalm 8 by Psalm 8 for such and such. Yeah. And, uh, and and when they, they do it by dropping a line, so to speak, or, or a couple of what we would call a couple of verses. And well, but, but what they're actually doing is citing the whole, whole Psalm, ah. you know, and so yeah. And so they they assume a familiarity and a degree of biblical literacy that that uh, that uh, and just makes me believe that the first century of discipleship was just kind of off the charts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or off the chain. I mean, you know, it's really, really in depth. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, and and that kind of thing. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, and so they they uh, they're arguing from even a broader context than just the verse they cite. Mm. And, uh, and so, uh, so, you know, we need to keep that in mind. And, and, uh, and so it, they're inviting you to go back and think about that again. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, uh, I know when we were discussing this, uh, particular passage a couple weeks ago, uh, it's kind of funny when in verse six of Hebrews two, when he says it's been testified somewhere, it's kind of like we we do often when we're like, ah, I thought that there's somewhere in the Bible that says you know, this, uh, that verse. Yeah, you know, that's exactly the opposite of what's happening. Yeah, like that. <laughs> right. It's not like us where they're trying to remember. Like they don't necessarily didn't have chapters verses. Like you know, he, they're, he's just saying, remember back when the psalmist said this, mm-hmm. and then connects it to the the yeah. idea, the argument that he's making. Um, it's interesting too. He, he's continuing this uh, from the first chapter. He, he references angels again. He's saying, hey, who? To what angel did God say, you know, that, or did he talk about in this way that this, the world's going to be subjected to him? So it's really kind of interesting, um, this this flow of the argument that's going even from chapter one. Um, so again, co- going back to our idea of purpose, what what are some specific purposes? I know you mentioned a few in the sermon, at the end of the sermon, uh, Pastor Chad, that uh, just kind of for us to think as we're relating to one another as God's people, um, but also to Christ and his purpose that he's, he's lived out and is, and is continuing to live out as he's exalted and ruling and reigning. Um, what, what was your kind of thought going into this sermon 
for the church? What 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 identity or purposes were we to find in this text for us? Yeah, I think it's just about understanding both the place of humanity as it relates to its purpose. So in other words, uh, it's about a, a having a biblical view of mankind. It's about yeah. having a biblical view of, 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 and I mentioned in the sermon, <clears throat> excuse me, I mentioned in the sermon that, uh, uh, you know, one of the main thrusts of Psalm eight is that mankind is more glorious than any of the other bits of creation that, yeah. that God made. Uh, and we don't feel that way or that doesn't appear to be, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. very true, but it is true that, that humanity is the zenith of, of God's created order yeah. and, uh, and his creative work. And so, um, if you grasp that, if you grasp like where humanity is as a, as a creature uniquely made in God's image, well, that, that kind of helps you understand purpose and grasp purpose better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you don't, if you don't have a proper, uh, anthropology, a biblical anthropology, so a biblical view of man, then you're not going to grasp man's purpose. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah. um, both of those are connected to each other. You have to understand man is unique. Man has a unique place, and therefore um, man serves as vice regents yeah. Uh, yeah. over all of creation uh, assigned to them by God. Uh, and so place and purpose are really closely connected in Psalm 8 and Hebrews 2. Uh, one of the things that I, I wrestled with in this passage initially uh, going into it, and I remember uh, Pastor Terry and I texting back and forth about it, uh, is just wrestling with the question early on: Is is this passage? Is Hebrews two and Psalm eight? Is it about Jesus or is it about man? Yeah, that was that was the question, and uh, and of course it it turns out the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Yeah. Ter- Terry, how would you how would you kind of how would you kind of unpack that or or how would you explain that 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 kind of dual? Um, well, um, view. In the in the structure of the Psalms, I mean, and this is a, a, a even more involved discussion, but uh, the Psalms one through fourteen uh, kind of funnel you to Psalm eight. There's kind of themes that are developed there, terminology that's used to to uh, create what you could call brackets, uh, bookends, if you please, and uh, and so uh, and 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 they and they kind of funnel you to uh, Psalm eight and. Uh, and, and and what it's doing there is it's establishing uh, the Davidic king uh, or David himself is taking up the mantle of extending God's dominion mm-hmm. as Adam should have. Yeah. And so it's Adam. And so the Davidic dynasty is the and Israel um, Israel itself, and then the Davidic dynasty uh, it, um, as the ruling force in in Israel is uh, taking up that mantle of extending God's kingdom uh, and, you know, Adam failed to do it. And so they're kind of uh, uh, taking it up. Well, then of course the ultimate son of David is Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and, and so uh, he's going to be the one in the escalated universal global end time kind of, you know, even Greek telos, you know, sense of, uh, of uh, fulfilling you know, the uh, role of Adam, uh, mm. you know, and you could even say Abraham, Israel, David, um, mm. you know, yeah. that, that whole uh, idea of how God's uh, going to reclaim uh, the universe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not just the world, but, uh, you know, uh, and so, uh, 
so that's kind of how I see it unfolding. And so the way it's way it's structured in the Psalter and and in relation to the Davidic covenant and all these kind of things are uh, so it's very much a messianic psalm in that sense. Even yeah. though uh, you know when you think about its explicit content, just in isolation, it, it seems to be a commentary on Genesis uh, one and and, and the, what Chad called the cultural mandate, where Adam was commissioned to uh, to uh, exercise dominion over the earth and, and to extend uh, the garden yeah. until it consumes the whole of whole of the world. You know, right. what was. Uh... I know we we use the phrase, uh, and I think it's really fitting here in Hebrews two. Uh, Jesus is the new Adam. Um, yeah. What was David a new Adam? Yes, uh, yes. I mean, he's yeah. There's a you know every covenant partner in, a, in the Old Testament is in a sense and um, another Adam. Uh, Ad, uh, Abraham is in the land. Uh, he's given a land, a new garden. So you have a new Adam and a new garden, you know, and, and, and then, of course, David reigns over that uh, uh, land and he's supposed to be extending it, that kingdom quite literally. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and you see in the, in the other Psalms where he, uh, like Psalm 18, uh, he, uh, he has nations bowing to him that, you know, he did not know, you know, which mm. is, uh, which is, uh, you know, him extending the kingdom. And extending God's dominion, uh, it, you know, we need to keep in mind that the only uh, person who could legitimately claim a divine right to kingship was the Davidic king. You know? mm. uh, everybody else is a is a counterfeit in that sense, you know, and so uh, uh, that's the only theocracy that the world has ever seen. Yeah, I I, I kind of see Adam. Um, I don't I don't see. Insofar as Adam, um, the new Adam, is also the head of the new humanity, which that's massive. So yeah. there's a new humanity in the new Adam. So Jesus, right, as the new Adam creates a new, he's the head of a new humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't see, so I think this is important to point out, David is not the head of a new humanity per se. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but he is the the king of a kingdom yeah. that still falls under the creation mandate specifically and the covenantal mandate of Israel. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, correct me if this is wrong, but I, in a, just a purely imagery sense, it's almost like a relay type of race where this covenantal relationship was handed to Adam. Right. He, he eventually hands it off to Abraham. Abraham hands it off to David throughout the yeah. line. Until Jesus is kind of the final runner, <laughs> that's the he's running laps around everybody, like he he's the one who who basically wins the race. <laughs> the I, I would say that analogy works if you make sure to point out that every single person up to Jesus butchers the handoff. Right? Uh, yeah, they drop the baton. They're fumbling it. <laughs> they <drop> yeah. The <laughs> <baton>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and then, so, so it's not really a handoff. It's just they dropped it, and somebody <laughs> yeah. else picked it up and ran with it for a little while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentry and Wellam are very helpful in this category in their little book on kingdom uh, through covenant, uh, covenant through kingdom, or whatever. But anyway, uh, yeah, give me the proper title, Chad. King, kingdom through covenant, even through covenant. Yeah, yeah, and great, so, uh, great biblical theology. They, they, uh, stuff. They kind of, 
they kind of presented the covenants as uh, as basically a quest for an obedient son. Mm, right. And of course, you know, like, like our, the image we're using is they're passing the baton, but all of us drop it after run back, pick it up again, or yeah, <laughs> for somebody yeah. else to grab it, you know. And uh, and but anyway, and of course, Jesus ultimately fulfills that. So he's kind of a new Adam, the ultimate David, uh, you know, uh, the seed of Abraham. Uh, he all the all the tributaries just uh, find their fulfillment in him, mm. and uh, and and of course, and then uh, and and then we we're uh, by adoption become a part of the new humanity and uh, mm. and. And of course, regeneration enter, enters into that too. So yeah. we're we're renovated as well. We're not just legally brought into the family, but we yeah. are we're generated into it as well. So it's a wonderful double assurance, isn't it? Amen. Man. Yeah, this kind of gets us back to the the text where we were um, where we were at at the very end of the quote from uh, from Psalm eight. It says, you know, of course, the the one that's been crowned with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. He continues his reference, or, or continues after that reference. It says, now putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing out of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Which is kind of an interesting phrase in the text. And you brought it out as like this um, identity and purpose. As it's kind of been ruined, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we look around in the world and we don't really fully see the reign of Jesus yet. Yep. We don't see everything uh, fully in subjection to to God, and then ultimately, you know, underneath God as those vice regents to, to us as we rule and reign with Him. Um, so this kind of sets us up for last week's sermon, for this week's sermon, um, where we kind of saw the the purpose that God's instilled in humanity and has called us into. Um, it's needing to be restored, and ultimately, that restoration comes at the cross and and ultimately through the resurrection. Uh, so let's jump to the, this week's sermon. How does the the sermon from purpose and the kind of the way that purpose is messed up? And then in in verse ten of this chapter, he says it's fitting that he uh, for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Kind of walk us into the beginning of this this week's sermon. Um, how do we get to the picture of the resurrection from this text? Well, if the previous passage is about the purpose of humanity being fulfilled in the new Adam, Jesus, uh, starting in verse 10, and verse 10 specifically, is now the cre- is focused on the creation of a new humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the bringing many sons to glory right. is, the, right. is the new humanity that Pastor Terry was talking about um, that we have in Christ uh, we are brothers of this this new Adam, and uh, yeah. and share in his glory, um, by you know through through the salvation that was made perfect through suffering. So, um, so so the 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 author of Hebrews shifts his attention now to the implications for the people of God uh, for what he just said in verses five through nine, and so here here you get. Um, this uh, this this new creative work where uh, there's a new people, a new humanity being formed. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, Jesus is the founder of their salvation, uh, who was made perfect through suffering. Uh, is a is a critical uh, critical verse. Verse ten is kind of a uh, the if you're thinking of uh, the entire chapter, verse ten is kind of a hinge. I think 
that this thing swings on in a lot of ways. Um, it's a it's a key turning point in the in the passage. Pat, uh, Pastor Terry, what, what what are you what are your thoughts on verse ten there? I was just looking back at verse nine in, in a sense because it, it it transforms the cross this uh, this hideous brutal death you know this pub, public scandal and spectacle uh, you know we just would be just as moderns we just be, I mean we you know uh, we hide our capital punishment in a in a little room with a needle and a gurney, you know, and, and try and make it as painless and, and private as possible. And here you have this, uh, you know, this just scandalous spectacle of a cross. And yet he describes it as being crowned with glory and honor. And, mm-hmm. and, and in every sense uh, is uh, going through that uh, indignity. Uh, he's crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Right. <laughs> what, a, yeah. what, a, what a statement, you know, and, and because of that, he's a he he um, is bringing many sons to glory, and yeah. as the founder of their salvation, and it, and that work is uh, completes him, yeah, through suffering. You know, it makes it's the zenith of his obedience. You know, it's the complete offering of himself. He's he's giving all he's got to give his life, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know what a what a a, a transformation of. Uh, you know, the worst that humanity can do uh, to God incarnate, uh, you know, to, to God, uh, the the human son, so mm. to speak. Right. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the worst we could do to him. And yet, yet uh, uh, because of its significance, because of, of what God is accomplishing there and because of the obedience that it portrays uh, is uh, is just uh, transforms this this hideous event into a, into a, a crowning of, of, of life, of, Christ, of Jesus' life. Right. It's usually... And, and that, you know, it's effective in, 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 in that it brings brings us to glory, you know. Right. So it kind of, to me, makes me think, you know, usually death means defeat, right? Mm-hmm. Especially for if we're talking about this kingship or creating a new humanity, if the leader of that new humanity shows up on the scene and gets killed, like that's kind of not really hopeful for the movement. It seems, you know, a lot of Kings get taken out and they get taken over by other kingdoms. And uh, to me, it, it really highlights um, also uh, what these, these Hebrew children in this particular day were looking for a Messiah who would come and be victorious by defeating their enemies, right? They were looking for a King to come and take over the Romans, you know, kind of pave the, the, the way for, a new kingdom, right? And yet this Jesus shows up and he starts teaching these, you know, kind of nonsensical stories and, and some people start following him and they, the Pharisees are kind of trying to catch him at every, you know, every corner. And, and then he gets killed by the Romans and it's like, well, well what was that? You know, if this was our Messiah, he was doing some neat stuff. Um, but yeah, it kind of is really showing and highlighting the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's full plan for this, for the fullness of time was to bring many sons to glory through the blessing of this suffering of death. Yeah. It's kind of oxymoronical almost. Yeah. There's a, well, it's, it's terribly relevant in a sense because uh, his contemporaries and like ours think that their the, the solution to their problems are political. Yeah. Mm. You know, and 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 the problem that Jesus is trying to death address is 
the sentence of death because of our objective guilt before God. And and that's the source of all our struggles, mm. you know, and, and, and of course, that's why he's, he's, the passage goes on and just rivets itself to, uh, you know, death and the fear of death. Yeah. And how Christ is uh, Christ and his cross is the, the, the grand remedy. And, uh, you know, politics can't touch that. Mm. Yeah, there's a um, there was a quote from uh, Athanasius that uh, that I left out uh, just editing, but it's uh, it's it's so good. Uh, he says a marvelous and mighty paradox has thus occurred for the death which they thought to inflict on him as dishonor and disgrace has become the glorious monument to death's defeat. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> We need to edit that sermon, put that back in, brother. But the, yeah. <laughs> like, it'd have been a lot yeah. better if you included yeah, for that. Real. Come on. We can do that. The, the power of technology, we can just yeah. clip that back yeah, in there. Yeah, we, well, I mean, power that, can work some magic with these uh, videos. Yeah, that's so. right. But, but, th- but that's it. Like, you know, Tyler, yeah. you're mentioning um, what at least, you know, on, on Good Friday and Holy Saturday looked like a, a terrible defeat. Yeah. Uh, it was a terrible defeat in this sense. Um. The old, you know, Jesus' death was on behalf of the the old mm-hmm. Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, <laughs> there was a sense in which the failures of all of those who have gone before Jesus and all of those who and, all, and us prior to the cross are 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 found in this fallen race mm-hmm. uh, had to die. Yeah. Um. The you know what it, it wasn't because Jesus failed as a king; it was because Adam failed as a king. Mm-hmm. And so his death uh, was was on behalf of of all those who uh, would be saved, but are of the race of Adam, and uh, and so the resurrection is his his new head of humanity flex. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was that was like, uh, secured by yeah. dying on behalf of of the first Adam. Right, and uh, so the the way he becomes the new Adam is by dying. Uh, in the place of the first, in a sense, yeah, and, uh, and so that's uh, basically he took Adam's L, mm. if that makes sense, yeah, in, in a very real way, um, and we were all in him prior to that, and and we are now uh, by faith uh, found in the new Adam, and uh, right, so uh, that's a I think that's a major a major uh, point. In, in the in in what the author of Hebrews is trying to c- communicate, yeah, I think that's what when he's saying he's making this argument, and he starts by saying, "For it was fitting that he should be made perfect right. through suffering." Like that's that's why it's fitting. Kind of jumping down to verse fourteen, he says, "Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil." and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. I think you just touched on that, that like death was the one enemy that we couldn't, that we couldn't defeat, right? Yeah. Our sin brings that, that enemy and we can't, we can't defeat it. We have only fear of it. Mm-hmm. I think even still today, there's so many that live in fear of death mm-hmm. and what death could bring, even if they don't fully understand, you know, the aspect of judgment after death, they're just afraid to lose what they have in this life. Yeah, Spurgeon referred to that as like the way he described it uh, was that his flesh is the remnants of old Adam, mm. and that must die, but his spirit 
lives, and one day in the in his res in our resurrection, yeah, even the curse of Adam to our flesh is removed, and we are glorified in the resurrected Son. Yeah, but but the fact that the remnant of the old Adam is our flesh, uh, we must still die. But yeah. in Christ, we're going to be resurrected, right. and that's that's the that's the hope. Um, but just as Adam brought many sons to, sons to ruin, yeah. Jesus brings many sons to glory. That's the that's the yeah. that's the concept that uh, is being laid out. Anything to add Thank there, Pastor Terry? You know, I was I thought um, just to give you props on one point that you really wrong and and really resonated with me is just how how uh, you know uh, our contemporary political discourse has weaponized our fears and both sides are playing yeah. to those fears. And, uh, and, you know, and the fear of death has been front burner in, uh, in this COVID era. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's this grave threat out here, this invisible threat, uh, you know, uh, uh, of course, uh, in one sense, that threat's always present. <laughs> sure. know, COVID's not, not the only, the only thing that takes us out, you know, and, and, uh, and everything but um and again you know politics really you know they they play on those fears but they have no answer for them not right. in a real sense yeah. you know just just the mitigation <laughs> at its best and uh and so uh, uh you know and so um, you know, we have really good news uh you know that uh, um, that you know death is uh no longer the tyrant uh, yeah. that, uh, that it once was yeah. Because of what Christ has suffered and uh, and and everything, and so that's so, uh, you know, that was a great point, and and, uh, and I thought very relevant, and but also uh, very tied to the text as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, yesterday being Easter, the uh, the final kind of resting place of this sermon was not just in what Jesus accomplished on the cross and, and the defeat of death through dying. Um, but the vindication of all of that through the resurrection. And I think you made a really good a good analogy, a good point of uh, Christ won the victory on the cross, mm-hmm. and then the resurrection was kind of the the victory lap, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the triumph, as you put it, the celebration mm-hmm. of all that he accomplished there on the cross. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, as we kind of get toward the end of this passage, you mentioned a couple of, a couple of things that the, the resurrection, and this, and we're talked about in this passage, uh, that kind of help us that not only does Christ liberate us from sin, uh, but also as the last verse of this chapter says, because he himself suffered when tempted, he's able to help us when we're mm-hmm. tempted. So talk about how the resurrection and all this in, in chapter two uh, is meant to help us as Christians, just as we live daily lives following Jesus. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing being Jesus, um, the resurrected Jesus telling us not to be afraid that mm-hmm. being tied very closely to yeah. the fear of death comment in uh, Hebrews two that pastor Terry was talking about um, that whole concept of the cross is the victory. The resurrection is a triumph is, is a really important one. That's actually um, uh, Martin Luther um, kind of introduced me to that concept. Um, this idea that, the resurrection is the ongoing new reality created by the victory. Mm-hmm. So it's it's literally, um, they they've hung Jesus 
jersey in the rafter in, in yeah. the rafters and it'll never be taken down and the tro- you know what I'm saying? so there's an ongoing new reality you we are victorious in him and that that wasn't just a one-time event that's just a new reality you live in now mm. uh and and so understanding that uh gives us access to help when tempted for example it gives us that you know access we we set free we the the resurrection is the confirmation uh, that the cross was did what it what what it was supposed to do, yeah. And uh, so, just living in that reality, living as if that's actually true, has all types of implications. And um, one of them is help when being tempted. But there's a lot. There's, there's I mean, it could literally be anything in in, in a sense. But uh, but yeah. So that that's the general that's the general thought. Jesus' death defeated the only thing left that we needed to be liberated from. And now we live in that freedom, mm. and that means we're not slaves to sin. Therefore, we can have victory over sin because Jesus had victory over the grave, and on and on and on. So, yeah. Amen. Pastor Terry, any final thoughts on Hebrews chapter two and the last couple of messages we've had at Hobby Church? Well, I was just thinking about you know resurrection and how it's just a backdrop for anything that Scripture has to say about the death of Christ. I mean, it's just. Uh, you know, were it not for the resurrection, then, you know, the death of Christ would be of no consequence whatsoever. Yep. You know, yeah. it, it would be what it appeared to be just a, a shameful and perhaps tragic event, but uh, an unjust one even, but, but it mm. would have no consequence for us. But, you know, by that, by that event, by his being raised from the dead, uh, you know, God just wouldn't let that stand. And, uh, and it vindicated his life in every way imaginable in, in every sense. Uh, his, his, the whole offering of his obedience from conception to the cross and then the pinnacle of his obedience in, in the life that he offered there in sacrifice. And then, uh, and then, and then of course, and then it shows the uh, complete acceptance of God of what he offered. Um, and so, so much so that, uh, that we can just have complete confidence in Christ. And that's really, you know, for me, that's the basis of all spirituality, mm. you know, for, for our, it's, you know, the motive for our living, uh, you know, the motive for our obedience, uh, you know, you just got to have complete confidence in Christ yeah, to uh, be able to uh, take a stab at living a Christian life in any way, shape, form or fashion. Mm. Um, you know, I think we're, we're just called to live by faith, but not in ourselves, but in Christ and, and, uh, and, and Hebrews just reeks of this, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's, just, it's just dripping with it. And so, yep. uh, so it just keeps on pointing us to, uh, Jesus, you know, and, and, you know, like next week, you're going to, you know, you're going to get to talk about Moses and Moses was a, a, a mighty dude in the scriptures and, and, yeah, uh, and the Lord used him mightily, but but I'm not going to steal your sermon or anything like that. But <laughs> he's better man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, guys, you no need to come to church next week. That's uh, yeah, that's a good job. Well said. <laughs> well, well said. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I can't. I don't know that I could say it any better. Well, uh, well said. Yeah. Well, that's so true. And you know, we we really do need to to heed the the message of. Hebrews and of course chapter two began with this that we must pay much closer attention to the things we've heard and ultimately what we're being called to lean into is the word of Christ about Christ um, and so yeah we need to trust him we need to learn how great he is um, so 
really, really been good to dive into this series, uh, Jesus Speaks, um, and hearing what Jesus has to say to us. And I appreciate you guys jumping on the podcast yeah, today as we talk through the last couple sermons. And we're going to continue our series in Hebrews this week. So join us again on Sunday. You can uh, find us uh, by visiting us in person at Highview. Uh, no registration. On, there's no registration to be here on Sundays. So um, you can join us at uh, 1100 South Van Wert Road in Villa Rica, Georgia. How long have you been working here? For <laughs> three, almost, this is my third year. You yeah. got it. That's good. That's impressive. Yeah. You got the, the address right. That's right. Um, Check us out on highview.tv as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not in our area, you can certainly find us online. Uh, we have our, our sermon library there. Listen to the last couple of weeks of, of sermons if you haven't he- heard them yet. Um, it's been a really good time in the book of Hebrews. So, But gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Uh, pa- Pastor Terry, we're definitely going to have you back on soon. You're always a wealth of wisdom. Thanks, brother. Appreciate the shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, if you enjoy listening to these podcasts, share them with a friend, share them on social media. And if you listen to us on Apple, of course, you can leave us a nice uh, rating and a review there. Five stars. We'll Please. take it. Uh, we'll take four <laughs> stars. Anything less than that. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about giving a review if it's not four or five stars. Oh. But uh, yeah, we thank you so much for listening to uh, the Highview podcast and we'll see you in the next one.